I titled the message, Birthing the Promise. And if you're here today, I'm sure that you've been given promises from God. You've dreamed some big dreams. You've hoped for some things. You've prayed for things. And maybe you're here today and you could say, there was a time when I was dreaming big dreams. And there was a time I was walking in the promises of God and my life was flourishing. But now everything looks barren. You might be here today and you might say, I've been holding on. I've been praying for some things. I've been fighting for some promises and I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to see the fulfillment of my promise. Maybe you're here today and you died to some dreams. You let some things go. You said, maybe that wasn't for me. Maybe I missed God on that. Maybe you aborted some dreams because of discouragement, because of circumstances, because of failures. I read this scripture um, the other day. I want to read it again. It says, wherever you are, there you are. Be fruitful right where you're planted. Wherever you are, there you are. Be fruitful right where you're planted. So many times we want to change the circumstances that we're in. We want to get out of the circumstances because it's difficult, right? But God uses those circumstances to change us. He takes those things that we're like, get me out of here. I, this is not right. This doesn't make sense. God, why am I here right now? Sometimes God doesn't get us out right away because he wants to change something in us. I know I was talking, I was talking to Winnie about that yesterday. I was talking to her after, after this, and I was telling her... Um, about going through a really difficult season that lasted a lot longer than I wanted it to last. And, uh, you know, we were kind of like talking about different memories and different things. And um, I was saying, you know, I was started, we both started talking about different things that God taught us in those difficult seasons, things that we learned. And we were saying, when we come into the new, when God turns it around, which he's doing, I'm gonna remember by the grace of God, I'm gonna remember those things he taught me so I never go back and I'm not the same that I was. You know what I'm saying? Like when he said, I keep referring to, I'm sorry. We've been talking all weekend and this is like our message. Um, like she was saying earlier, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. We serve a God that he takes your mess, he takes your pain, he takes your suffering. He takes your failures. He takes all of that stuff, and he turns it around. I, I gave this example the other day. Uh, after the Declaration of Independence was signed, um, George Washington called his army, and they were in New York, and he gathered them together, and he started to read this Declaration of Independence. And as we know, the Declaration of Independence states that the colonies were no longer under Britain's control. It was stating they're free. They're free. You've got to fight for your freedom, but you're free. And as these soldiers are hearing this declaration of their freedom and of their independence, they run up to the statue of King George III, this statue that represented everything that they wanted to be free from, and they tore the statue down. And not only did they tear it down, but they melted it and they made a weapon out of it. They melted it and made musket balls out of this statue. And it's the same thing that God does for us. It's the same thing. God wants to redeem 
every attack the enemy has waged against us. Nothing is wasted. Ezekiel 36 verse 36 says, I, God, rebuild ruins and replant empty waste places. I, God, said so and I'll do it. Are there areas in your life that look like ruins right now? Are there areas in your life that are like wasted places? We serve a God who rebuilds. We serve a God who replants. Nothing is too far gone. Nothing is too broken that he can't restore. Amen? Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 5 says this. Refresh me again with your sweet promises. It's his promises that refresh us. When we remember what he promised us, when we remember God said this, that refreshes us. So I just want us for just a second just to lift our hands. Lord, we ask that you come and refresh us again with your sweet promises. Come and refresh us, Lord. Come and do something new here today in Jesus' name. In verse 8 of the same chapter, it says, Listen, I hear my lover's voice. I know it's him coming to me. This is talking about God. I want you to picture God. Listen, I hear God's voice. I know it's him coming to me, leaping with joy over mountains, skipping in love over the hills that separate us to come to me. What can separate us from the love of God? No circumstance, no difficulty, no past, no pain, nothing, no shame, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He's leaping over that, those hills that separate us. Verse 11, the season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended, and the season of hiding is over and gone. I want to say it again, because if you really believe that this is real, this is life-changing. That bondage of barren winter is over. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is over and gone. Winter is over, amen? Winter is over. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. And then in verse 13 it says, can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? Can you not discern that it's a new day and it's breaking forth right now? It's breaking forth right now. The early signs of my purposes and plans breaking forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whisper, there's change in the air. Arise, my love. This is God speaking to you today. Arise and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. Now is the time to arise. 
Now is the time to come up here with him to the higher place. Come up here. Get out of the circumstances that keep you confused and keep you lost and, you know, you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. And come up here with him. I told this story um, the other day, but um, Evan and I went to North Carolina um, for our anniversary, and um, we went hiking, and we went and did a new trail this time. (laughs) You heard this story, didn't you? Uh, We went and did a new trail, and um, we didn't do much research about it, but we figured we've done this a lot, so we got this thing. And so we go, um, and we start going. We had our trail mix. We had our water, and uh, we were ready to go. And we went about an hour into the trail, and halfway through it, we saw this man. He was like expert hiker, fully in his full hiking gear, and he was kind of laid back, relaxed, and taking a break in the middle of the hike. And he stopped us, and he was like, do you have a map? Do you know where you're going? And we were like, we got this. We've been on many trails. We've been on many hikes. This guy does not understand that we know what we're doing here. And um, so anyway, he kept insisting. And so we, uh, we pretended like we were listening. He was like, well, just let me show you. Let me show you my map. Let me show you where to go just so you don't get lost. And so he showed us a few stuff, but we weren't really paying attention. And um, we went on our hiking way. And about an hour and a half, two hours into it, I don't know, it was a long time, um, we were supposed to be like the end of this hike, and then we realized, I think we're lost. We don't know where we're going. <laughs> I think that guy might have been right. We should have followed some directions here. And so um, I started out like really kind of just laughing, taking it easy, like we're lost, but we'll figure it out. No big deal. And then another hour or two goes by, and then I'm, like, freaking out, and I'm angry with Evan. I'm yelling at him. This is your fault. I cannot believe you got us into this situation. And um, then another hour or two later, I'm crying. I'm panicked. I'm thinking, we are going to die in these mountains. This is it. This is it for us. And so we realized, okay, We're in the middle of bushes. We're in the middle of trees. We can't see anything. We're not even on a real trail anymore. (laughs) This is really true. We thought we were going down a trail, and then we realized we, like, (laughs) I didn't tell this the other day, but we actually ended up, like, on the cliff, like some random cliff. That's when I really started crying because we got to this cliff, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what the heck? Where where are we? So anyway, uh, so we realized, okay, we know up. We know how to go up. If we can get to the top of this mountain, then we can see where we're going. So we just started to go up and to climb this mountain. And when we got to the top, we realized, okay, this is where we got off. This is where we need to get back to get to the end of this thing. And it's the same thing for us. Sometimes we're so caught up in everything all around us. And God's saying, come up here with me. Come up here above your circumstances, above the confusion, above the mess, I'll give you vision, I'll give you direction, I'll show you where to go, amen? So um, I just want to go through a few things really, really quickly. Steps in birthing the promise, birthing this dream, these dreams, these promises, these prayers, these these things that you've been believing for, but you haven't seen them come to pass. What do we do? What do we do when we're in those seasons of barrenness? We're in those difficult seasons. What do we do? 
The first thing, Isaiah 54 verse 1 says this, sing barren woman who has never had a baby, fill the air with song, you who've never experienced childbirth. It's saying sing, you're barren, but sing, because you are ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women, God says so. So when you are in those barren places, those difficult seasons where it's like, God, this does not make sense. Why am I still here? God says, sing. He says, praise. Worship me before you see the fulfillment of your promise. You can worship and you can praise in faith because God said, I'm coming out. God said, I'm not here forever. It might look barren now. It might look difficult now. I know there's a struggle now, but I can sing because I know I'm coming out. Amen? God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. If he spoke a word to you, if he gave you a promise, if he gave you a dream, he didn't change his mind. He is not a man that he should lie. He stands by his word. Amen? The second thing, the verse goes on and it says, clear lots of ground for your tents, make your tents large, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. These are promises from God. The second thing we do, you sing first, you praise, you worship in the midst of the difficulties. It's not easy. That's a fight to do it. It's a decision. It's a choice to say, God, even though I might not be feeling it, even though I am in the struggle and all I see around me is desolation, all I see around me is ashes and you promised me something else. It's a choice to say, God, I'm going to worship you anyway. I'm going to praise you for the promise before I see it because I know it's coming. And the second thing is we spread out. You go ahead and you start preparing for that promise. You prepare. God said he's going to do it, so I'm going to go ahead and take these steps. I'm going to go ahead and take these steps. And the third thing, the verse goes on and it says, you will forget all about the humiliations of your youth. And the indignities of being a widow will fade from memory. For your maker is your bridegroom, his name God of the angel armies. Your redeemer is the holy of Israel, known as God of the whole earth. You were like an abandoned wife, devastated with grief, and God welcomes you back like a woman married young and then left. And it goes on to say, I'm promising now, no more anger, no more dressing you down. For even if the mountains walk away and the hills fall to pieces, my love won't walk away from you. The God who has compassion on you says so. The third thing is surrender. This is a hard one too. All of these are hard. <laughs> but they're worth it. The third thing is surrender. Let go. Let go of what you've been through. Let go of the past. Let go of the pain. Let go of those disappointing experiences. Surrender. And some of you might be thinking, 
How can I let go when I'm still in the midst of all of this mess? I'm still facing it every day. I can't forget because it's still right here. The verse says, you will forget. You will forget all about the humiliations of your youth. And the indignities of being a widow will fade from your memory. So I want to encourage you today that if you're still in the midst of the mess, you will forget. There is a time coming when you will forget about the humiliations. You will forget about that pain. You will. It will be like that was a bad dream. It was like I can remember, but I don't have any pain associated with that memory anymore. The God who has compassion on you says so. The next thing, verse 11, it says, afflicted city, storm battered, unpitied. Do you have some areas in your life that might look afflicted right now? Do you have some areas in your life that might be storm battered and unpitied? This is what God says. I am about to rebuild you. I am about to rebuild you with stones of turquoise. Lay your foundations with sapphires. Construct your towers with rubies, your gates with jewels, and all your walls with precious stones. He is the God who gives you beauty for your ashes. He takes your ashes and he doesn't just put stuff back together. He doesn't just like kind of realign things. He takes the mess and he gives you something beautiful in its place. I'm going to really quickly go through this, but um, I know a lot of people here are kind of new in this church and may not know me or know my whole testimony, but um, it was right after high school, and I got into a relationship that got serious really, really fast, and um, we got married, and um, actually here in this place, and um, shortly after that, there was a divorce, and um, this wedding, I'm the pastor's daughter of this church, this large church. I'm the oldest in the family. There's a bunch of people that came to this wedding, and um, now this happened. And I had to come back into this place, and I had to face all of the people. I had to face the questions. I had to deal with the stares and the assumptions and the accusations and whatever. And in that moment, I felt afflicted. I felt storm battered. I felt rejected. I felt humiliated. And um, shortly after that, we had a conference. We had these pastors come into town. And at the end of the conference, they invited me to come and stay with them at their house in Miami where I could just get away and they would minister to me. And so it was a few nights into being there and I was by myself in their daughter's bed. And uh, I remember just being desperate for God to show up, desperate for God to give me something to hold on to, give me a word that would sustain me, give me something to strengthen me. In the moment, all I was, I was hopeless. Yes, I was young. Yes, I had my whole life ahead of me. But in that moment, I didn't see that. I, all I could see was brokenness. And so I opened up my Bible and I got to Isaiah 
And I don't really know how I got to this chapter. I know it was the Holy Spirit. I got to Isaiah 54. And I'm sure I heard the scripture a million times, but this time I heard it. This time it was like alive. And I started to read and it starts out, sing, O barren woman, you who've never had children. And it goes through all of this stuff and it gets to this part. It says, your maker is your bridegroom. His name, God of the angel armies, your redeemer is the holy of Israel known as God of the whole earth. You were like an abandoned wife devastated with grief and God welcomes you back like a woman married young and then left. And I remember I'm reading this and I'm like, I cannot believe how specific and perfect this is for where I am. God, you care this much. You care this much to make sure I don't miss it, to make sure I don't miss what you're telling me right now. And that was the beginning of the healing process in my heart. That was the beginning of me saying, before then, I, I did love God. I loved God to a certain extent, as much as I knew how to love him. And after this, I always say this is when God became everything to me. God became my healer, my redeemer, my savior, the lover of my soul, my faithful friend, my wonderful counselor. He became everything that I needed in that place. And I have this picture I wanted to show. Do y'all have it? This is my family. This is what God does. This is a beautiful picture to me of what God does. He takes your mess. He takes the brokenness. He takes the pain. He takes the hopelessness. And he doesn't just make you feel a little bit better about it. He completely rebuilds you with something beautiful. These are my turquoise. These are my sapphires. These are my jewels. This is what God does. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what difficulty you're going through. I don't know what pain you've experienced. I don't know the wilderness season that you're in, but I'm here to tell you that the same God who helped me, the same God who saved me, redeemed me, healed me, delivered me, gave me hope and gave me a future, that same God who did it for me is here and he wants to do it for you. I promise you that. He loves you, he loves you and he sees you, he sees you. You are not just another face in the crowd to God. He sees you right where you are. He sees your pain, he sees your brokenness. He sees your discouragement and he's loving you and he's calling you back and he's saying, come up here with me. Come up here with me, son. Come up here with me, daughter. He wants to rebuild you. So the number four is C. I keep forgetting to give that point. Number four, C. See what God's going to do. See what God's going to do. You got to surrender and then you got to see. God's about to take this mess and he's going to bring me out and do something beautiful with it. And the last thing, for real, I promise. The verse goes on and it says, you will be built solid, 
grounded in righteousness, far from any trouble, nothing to fear. The fifth thing is stand in faith, no fear. When you're going after these God dreams and these God promises and you're waiting, you don't have to fear your future. You don't have to fear. Far from terror, if any should attack, nothing will come of it. No weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it. God says this, he says, I'll see to it that everything works out for your best. God has already gone before you and he's prepared the way. You can have faith, you don't have to fear your future. He's already gone before you and he's prepared the way. He stands behind you, protecting you and shielding you. He's with you every step in every season. In the high, beautiful, good, wonderful seasons, he's with you. In the difficult, broken, hard seasons, he's with you. In everything in between, he is always there. So you don't have to fear. I'm a crying mess. I know nobody's surprised by that, and I'm sorry. This is the last thing. I keep saying that, I'm not saying it anymore. It's almost the last thing. Um, there's this quote, and it says, at the end of our lives, our greatest regrets will be the God-ordained opportunities we left on the table, the God-given passions we didn't pursue, the God-sized dreams we didn't go after because we let fear dictate our decisions. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life where at the end of it, I have regrets about the God-sized dreams that I didn't pursue. Because I let fear dictate my decisions. Dreaming, standing on promises is a beautiful thing. God loves us. He wants to give you the desires of your heart because we are his children. But really, he wants to put dreams inside of us and he gives us promises that are so much bigger than us. He wants to fulfill, he wants us to birth these God-sized dreams. These things that only he could do. Things that are bigger than just your sphere. Song of Solomon chapter seven verse two says, within your womb there is a birthing of harvest. They are the sons and daughters nurtured by the purity you impart. He wants us to live this dreaming life where we're not just dreaming about being rich or being successful and having a nice car or whatever. He wants to be dream us to be dreaming about what he dreams about. His heart, he loves us, but he loves those too. He loves those that are broken, those that are lonely. He wants to birth a dream inside of us that's like, I wanna give my life for you, God, and I wanna give my life for others, because that is the heartbeat of God. Verse 11 says, we will run away together to the forgotten places and show them redeeming love. Let us arise and run. This is God talking, saying we will run away together. Now you're in this partnership with God. You're not just living for yourself. You're not just hanging on surviving. He says we will run away together to the forgotten places and show them redeeming love. That same redeeming love that he shows you when he heals you and he redeems you and he sets you free. He says, okay, come on. 
Now we've got a mission. Let's go together to those forgotten places and let's show them that same love. Where are those forgotten places that you need to go and you need to show that redeeming love? And then chapter 8, verse 5 says, I want you to think about this. Picture this. This is God saying, who is this one? After God does this, this healing miracle work that he is famous for, he's looking at his daughter and he's saying, or son, and he's saying, who is this? Look at her now. Or look at him now. Who is that? Look at her now. She arises out of her desert, clinging to her beloved. Who is this? Look at her now. She's rising out. He's rising out of his desert, that wilderness, that barrenness, clinging on to God. If you have been in a desert, if you have been in a dry place, today is the day to arise with him. If you've been feeling barren, discouraged, today is your day to sing your way out. Do you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth? Breaking forth around you, do you not discern it? Today is a new day. The season has changed. Winter is over. The season of singing is here. Do you believe it? The season has changed. Winter is over. It's a new season and it's a new day. It's time to rejoice like Evan said earlier, today is a day of joy. I don't care. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I do care where you are right now. <laughs> I do care. I care where you're at. But this is the thing. Today is the day to sing your way out. Today is the day to stand in faith and say, God, wherever I'm at, you know, you see it. But you gave me these promises, so I'm singing my way out. I'm going to go ahead and prepare. I'm going to go ahead and spread out. I'm going to see what you're doing. I'm going to stand in faith. Amen? We can rejoice, not only because of what he's done, but we can rejoice for what he will do. And so I want to encourage you today, if John and Winnie and the band can come back up, um, we're going to um, sing this song. And the words of this song are exactly the heart of this message. It's the same thing. I want you, as you're singing and as you're rejoicing, I want you to declare over your life that today's a new day. The season for singing is here. The season for rejoicing is here. Amen? Okay, so we're getting set up. I'm going to go ahead and pray while everybody's getting set up, and then we'll, um, we'll do it. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for how good you are, how faithful you are. We thank you that you are our healer, God. You are our redeemer. We thank you for every promise that you've given us and every dream, every God dream that you've put in our hearts. Lord, I pray today that you refresh your people with your sweet promises. I pray today that you revive, you renew, and you restore. I thank you that you're taking every broken place, God, and you're rebuilding with something beautiful. And I thank you that it begins today in Jesus' name. So we make the decision to worship you in whatever season we're in and to give you praise because we know we're coming out. We know we're not here forever. And we know that winter is over in Jesus' name.